and welcome to The Haunting Hour. My name is Ryan Brown, your co-host here at The Haunting Hour, and joined as always alongside my brother Tyler. Ty, what's crack-a-lacking? Good evening, brother. Was that Dracula? <laughs> that was Vlad Tibets. Whoa! I like that. That was pretty good. I love how I always give away what we're going to be discussing. Mm, in some shape or other form. Yeah, that's that's fair. Can I take a guess? Yes, you can. We're going to be learning about Vlad, or just Dracula. We're going to learn about the history of vampirism. Whoa. And then we'll discuss vampirism in America today. Is there garlic on that pizza? Did you order garlic? <gasps> no. <laughs> then no, sir. I got about like 12 other deliveries to do tonight. Can you just pay me the money? No, wait. I have coupons. <laughs> For those of you who, again, don't actually, you know what? I keep thinking that we released the Supernatural episode, which we've recorded three times and we still haven't because it's that f***ing bad. No, no. It's just the audio quality. The banter was great, but we just got to re-record it. I did not know it was just the audio. Indeed it was. Okay. Well, that was a quote uh, from Supernatural season like three. Monster movie. Yep. It's a good one. <laughs> but yes, Ryan, tonight we're going to be discussing vampires. And I know it's a topic that you could go to the midnight hour discussing all things lore. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try to keep it 30 minutes just briefly. And then we'll talk about whether or not you and I actually believe in vampires. I will say, like to lead the show saying vampires have been beaten to death the past, what, decade in cinema and other television programs, I guess. Yeah, I think in all of literature, if you go like towards that horror genre, it's vampires, werewolves, and to a lesser degree, ghosts and witches. Yep. Because my big thing about vampires is you can make them super scary, aka, what, 20 days a night? What is it? 28 days of, no, no, it's 28 days later. Yeah. 30 days a night. 30 days a night with my boy Josh Harnett. Um, you can make them scary as f*** that way, or they got a sexy appeal, aka, not that, actually... Um, the sister in Twilight, the blonde girl that's married to Ian Somerhalder, strangely enough. Yes. Um, super hot, but you can make them very sexy and very appealing that way as well as scary, which I think is very cool and very marketable for vampires. Well, Emmett is like both of those. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> f-ing, he's a monster. Yeah, he's a good looking dude, but you know he would run through a f-ing wall mm-hmm. if he was coming at you. Absolutely. And then, I don't know, what what other vampires are, like, super spooky? Um, well, hold on, because my lead-off question was, do you have a favorite vampire whoa. depiction? Either in, um, like, literature where it's a poem or a book, or do you have a favorite vampire via, like, a TV series or a movie? Absolutely loved the Netflix limited series Dracula. I think the guy that they used to cast as Dracula, 10 out of 10. Exactly what I pictured him as. Um, super scary and super entertaining as well. I like that guy, and I, I really, really liked Luke Evans as Vlad the Impaler in Dracula Untold. And other than that, big fan, we're, we said it a million times, but big fan of Damon and Stefan. So it's funny because my two favorites are not in your top four, hmm. which is wild. What do you got? Uh, number one would be Mr. Barlow. Oh, no sh- Yeah. From Salem's Lot. From Salem's Lot. So not even the depiction from like the 1980s movie, but the actual book version. He was scary as hell in the 1980s movie. Yes, he was. Yep. But the way that he's described in the book, just phenomenal. Sweet. Like the long black hair, super um, like gaunt cheekbones, Mm -hmm. very Italian. 
It was like summer when he came over, but he was wearing a three-piece suit. It's awesome. Classic vampire right there, in my opinion. Yes. And then the, I think, I mean, the more entertaining, but also I think a pretty accurate depiction would be um, the remake of Fright Night, Colin Farrell. Oh, nice. Where he uh, <laughs> plays the vampire next door, the quote-unquote vampire next door. Yep. He's a good one, too. Yeah, I thought, I mean, it was a lot of CGI, but I think you, you kind of have to have that, especially mm-hmm. with a like a cult classic like Fright Night. Oh, absolutely. But it was a very scary movie, I thought, for like a fun movie. Oh, yeah, it was scary as hell. Yeah, there were some scenes where I was like, if he's in my closet, I'm going to f***ing have a, a stroke. I mean, in the past 50, 60 years, uh, like, the cinema did okay with vampires. <laughs> if you go through the lore, there's some similarities and some big differences, though. So, I think they got the seductive portion from like the incubus and succubus oh nice and they kind of pulled that into the vampire lore a little too much yep but they also want to market it towards making money which like if you have a like edward Cullen, yep they're gonna make money um for anybody who doesn't know i'm gonna get this wrong 100 because i always mix them up much like zach bacon's an incubus is a female demonic spirit or female spirit that has sex with a man and then takes your sperm and then puts it into like a ghost somewhere and they create ghost hybrids and then i think the succubus is the male and has sex with the female I, that's probably it's probably the other way around but i'll have to I'll, yeah. i will we should probably get on that um <laughs> it didn't talk because the the actual book that i have in front of me is from the history channel so there's no incubus or succubus in it i like that but the lore is very similar incubus demon in male form that seeks to have sexual intercourse with sleeping women Ooh, the corresponding spirit, a female form, is called the succubus. Okay. So I, I was wrong. So they do the same thing, just with different genders. Yep. Uh, in medieval Europe, union with an incubus uh, was supposed by some to result in births of witches, demons, and deformed human offspring. That's awesome. The legendary magician Merlin was said to have been fathered by an incubus. Hmm. Learn something new every day. Merlin was, quote unquote, a, uh, an outcast, so I guess that makes sense. Maybe his mom had him, like, via a giant incubus orgy. Ew. <laughs> Gross. Wasn't it in Supernatural? Didn't Isn't that how Crowley was born? Um, Rowena was, like, in an orgy. And yeah, it was, like, under the, the full moon. It yeah. was, like, the one blood moon f- orgy or something. Yep. All right, let's learn a little bit about vampires. All right, vampires are one of the most popular contemporary monsters, the roots of their mythology stretching back to the ancient world. So though Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula... You just said Bram Stoker's. <laughs> <laughs> Stoker's. Got stroke it on the mind. Where's the rewind button? Though Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula, is the best-known depiction of vampire... The idea of a blood-drinking spirit or demon goes back, actually, millennia. So the oldest depictions of vampires ever found were in ancient Persia, thousands of years ago. Vampires, as we know them today, uh, really emerged during the Middle Ages. So in large part due to the periodic outbreaks of... Another... What is it? Consumption, a.k.a. tuberculosis. Yes, the plague. Yes. In addition, some historians believe that Porifiria, a rare disease that causes several physical symptoms associated with vampires, i.e. sensitivity to light, receding gums that make teeth more prominent, and loss of cartilage in the nose and ears. That's the scariest part, I think. That's what makes 
vampires I think look really gaunt. Yeah, and then I feel like you're you know when you like lose cartilage in your nose, you turn into like that the skeleton kind of nose like Red Skull has. Yes. Oh, creepy. So these contributed to the folklore about vampires. In Romania, the myth of the Strigoi, quote, one who rises from the grave, end quote, an undead character who survives by drinking blood and has the ability to transform into animals, emerged right after the Persian idea of a, of a vampire. So in one of the best documented examples of a Strigoi, a 17th century man named Jur Grando allegedly returned from the grave after 17 years and terrorized his old village. His reign of terror, which included knocking on villagers' doors and then killing the person who answered it, continued until the villagers, led by the local priest, captured and decapitated him. Holy crap. Yeah, wild. (laughs) So this story was widely circulated in the 18th and 19th centuries and may have actually contributed to Stoker's novel, Dracula. Really? So that's where he got the inspiration from? Might have been. All right, cool. I also love the fact that uh, they decapitated him, and in Supernatural, you have to cut off a vampire's head to be able to kill it. Yes, but we're going to get into the staking part, too. Oh, sweet. So Grando was not the only isolated like event story. Half a century later, a Serbian peasant named Peter, allegedly, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name, it's Peter B., oh, nice. um, allegedly rose from the grave to terrorize his former neighbors, eventually killing nine people. What the hell? The villagers demanded that a government official and the local priest exhume the body, which they did, finding it apparently undecomposed, with fresh blood around the mouth. The priest staked the corpse through the heart and then had the body burned. What the hell? Do you think it was somebody who looked like him? Like, this is... We are two stories in, and, like, I'm already starting to believe that vampires do actually walk the earth. My qu- Okay, so how do, if you're a vampire and... You supposedly die, right? You get buried in a coffin six feet underground. Can you think you can just like super strength as a vampire? You can just open the lid and all the you can just crawl up through the dirt. Well, most lore say that vampires do have some unnatural strength. Like, uh, there's no boundary to it. Right. That's the only part of having trouble with uh, understanding here. If they were buried in like a mausoleum or a crypt above ground, I'd be like, oh, one hundred percent. Well, I also think that back then it wasn't six feet. True. So it was probably more like two and a half feet. Your Unless pants. it was winter, in which case it was probably a foot, or they were in the um like the mausoleum or something to, to hold until like the ground thawed. You're painting a good picture here, my friend. You're painting a good picture. All right, next up, only 45 years later, a new case widely reported across Europe was the case of Arnold Powell, a Serbian soldier who allegedly became a vampire. A few weeks after Powell's accidental death in 1727, four villagers complained that the dead man actually attacked them. Each died shortly after. Someone recalled that Paiol had claimed that he had been attacked by a vampire earlier in his life, at which point the corpse of the dead soldier, right, was exhumed, and despite having been buried more than a month before, showed no signs of decomposition. Was it winter or no? I don't know. It does not say if it's winter, summer, or fall. So the villagers staked Paul's corpse, which reportedly emitted a high-pitched shriek. What? And then they beheaded and burned it. <laughs> That's freaking terrifying. They went on to do the same thing to Paul's four victims, the four people that he allegedly attacked and then later died. Okay. So they all, all four of them died, but they ended up decapitating and um, staking Stadium. and burning them. Does it tell you how he killed them or no? Nope. I'm uh, going to guess trauma. Yeah, I'm kind of interested about that. So that seemed to end the that 
problem only temporary in the area. Six years later, a new rash of, quote, vampire-related deaths, end quote, claimed nearly a dozen victims before mysteriously subsiding. The rash of vampire sightings and the popular belief in vampires led Pope Benedict the XIV um, to address the issue in De Vianti Vampiriorum, 1752, which ascertained that vampires, though they did not think existed, could potentially be a, like an actual threat. Yeah, problem Jesus that they're dealing with. Christ. So that was all in Europe, Serbia. Um, I mean, we, farther back, we talked about Persian stuff. So that was all overseas from where you and I are right, here in America. Right. Let's move into America later on. So vampire stories did not just prowl Eastern Europe. One of the best known alleged outbreaks of vampirism took place in Rhode Island in the late 1880s and early 1890s. The Brown family, which you and I have no relation to. Do you know that? No. Okay. I <laughs> That's I, fair. I know, like, where our relatives come from, like, way back in the day, but I don't know where, like, we stem from when we came over to America. You know what I mean? Or where we went. Yes, that's true. I know we were related to one of the, um, I don't want to say the founder of Rhode Island, but one of the, uh, like, governors, the original governors of Rhode Island, the guy who signed the Declaration of Independence. Well, maybe we are. We should probably look into this. We should. Also, another fun fact, um, the Brown, us Brown family, we're related to... Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold? Yes, like several. He's like our very, very great distant, distant cousin related through blood. It makes so much sense to me now. No wonder you're a douche. Uh, you're related to me. <laughs> oh, sick. And it definitely does not skip a generation. Nope. Let's get back to the Brown family, not us. The Brown family of Exeter was devastated in 1881 by the three deaths due to tuberculosis, which was poorly understood at the time. Um, and then therefore subject to wild speculation. Many townsfolk in Exeter believed that a supernatural force was causing the illness, which made people waste away. And they pressured George Brown to allow his dead wife and children to be exhumed. Brown gave in, and on March 17, 1892, the bodies of his wife, Mary Eliza, and two daughters, Mary Olive, and the recently deceased Mercy, were exhumed. The first two showed the expected signs of decomposition, but Mercy, who had been interred in an above-ground crypt during the two winter months since she had died, exhibited no decomposition and still had blood in her heart. Understandable. She was in a freezer, pretty much. Right. So though it is most likely that the cold preserved her corpse, locals believed that this proved that Mercy was a vampire. As a result, her heart and liver were burned before the body, and then chillingly, the ashes from the burned organs were mixed with water, and given to Brown's son, who was suffering from the same issue, tuberculosis. Yeah, they believed that it would cure his illness. Yes, that's correct. Yep. This failed, however, to cure him, and he did die a few months later from tuberculosis. So this case was also widely reported and may have been another of the the real-world um, events that influenced Stoker's Dracula. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Because he wrote it a few years after that. Yep, like I Late 19s? Yeah, I thought it was earlier than that. Maybe not. Well, this was, I mean, uh, this whole it, like event was 1892. Okay, gotcha. So it was close enough where he was definitely alive when this stuff was going down. Yep. And that's just the uh, people not being very well educated on tuberculosis or what they called consumption back in the day. Yes. Um, they didn't understand how the disease worked and they thought that um, they called it consumption because it like 
ran through your body so fast and it seemed like it was like eating you alive. But I understand why they probably mistaked that for vampirism, especially if it, like you would think somebody would come back from the grave and infect the other members of the family, um, especially if somebody died and then the other person started getting sick later on after that person already was dead. So what's your take on why Mercy still had actual blood in her heart? It's because they put her... I've, read the story so many times they put her into a crypt because the ground was too frozen because i think she died in january or whatever in january in new england let me tell you guys it is frigid um but they couldn't bury her because the ground was too frozen they put her into a mausoleum that was pretty much a walk-in freezer um and i mean nothing's gonna happen to you you're not gonna decompose because you're gonna be cold i feel like that will be able to keep some blood inside your heart i'm not sure that's the blood in the heart that's what that's that's what's like strange to me like you think it's still pumping yeah i feel like it's it would be really hard in a two-month winter for there to still be blood in the body beats me you got me on that one but i think that's just a case of people being not well educated okay well it it was kind of like the salem scare the salem witch trial scare Mm -hmm. um like there were the we we just discussed it but the vampirism in like the european countries was bad in like the mid towards the end of the 18th century Mm -hmm. but it was because of and then before that was it was the tuberculosis and the plague right so everyone was sketched out that the bodies weren't being buried correctly anyway and then it was like a a combination of mass hysteria and the fact that they didn't really understand what was going on with the diseases yeah especially if you don't know what's going like if a disease is ravaging through people um you're probably gonna freak out that mass hysteria is gonna set in especially if one person's like oh my god they're a vampire then everybody's probably just like running around screaming about it right and the fact that the symptoms from so many of of those diseases the black plague and tuberculosis were um symptoms that again allegedly vampires potentially do have the sensitivity to light the the um cartilage in their their face starting to go away yep um the big one was like we were talking about the exposure of the teeth yeah. Right? Like, if someone smiles... That would be, like, the te- telltale. And I'd be like, holy shit. For example, if in TB, if the um, gums around your canines go first, mm-hmm. right? So, those are prominent. So, your your four canines... They're going to look bigger. Yeah, they're going to look huge. Yeah. And then if they're, like, not even just for the physical symptoms, but then having this mental thing where they're, like, not feeling themselves, they want to stay inside all day, um, or they're even being like mentally a little bit unstable right but they had that same issue in salem so the big question i have for you is do you think that the salem witch hysteria was worse than this vampire hysteria yeah uh 100 it was and i'm shocked that they didn't take the um vampire outbreak farther and started like, decapitating a bunch of people just because they thought they were vampires much like what they did in the salem witch trials they hung innocent women because they were independent and practicing different religions than what was deemed correct at the time. Uh, so that's why I think the Salem Witch Trials was so awful because they took that final step and actually killed people because of this. They didn't hunt out... I'm sure they did in some towns. They like hunted out a vampire, but it wasn't like a huge mass killing. The vampire outbreak was so widespread in Europe, though. That's why I think it's just less significant. No, so it wasn't confined, like condensed in one area. It wasn't like it was just London. Right. I bet you if you did do your research, I bet you more vamp- quote-unquote vampires might have been killed than the women in the Salem Witch Trials. Yes. I also think that the like the Salem Witch Trials, it was in such a um, 
condensed time. It was like one year, wasn't it? Yeah. Where those 20 or 16 or however many um, women right. were sent to death. Yep. Um, but that was the mass hysteria that that happened so quick and it made people so crazy. Like that's scarier to me because anyone could just say, hey, you know, that dude's a witch. And 100% that's what they did because sometimes somebody would you'd have government officials be like, Hey, we saw you practicing blah, blah, blah. And then you would just take that blame and point it on somebody else. And you'd be like, Oh no, Martha down the street was a person who showed me that type of ritual or something. Then they would stop their focus on you. They turn to her. And if that person couldn't give you a legit story, they would hang you. Well, then what do you make of, so everything that we just talked about, all of the cases that we were just discussing, mm-hmm. like those are all legit documented things that have happened. And the other ones, other than Mercy Brown, I have a hard time understanding what happened with those people, especially the people who like, once you exhume the body and they had blood around their mouths and if they were buried for two months and they didn't show any signs of decomposition, I got some hard time understanding that one. Yeah, it was like the um, the Serbian soldier, Pale, who attacked four people. Each sing- like Each person had the same story and it was that it was he a dead person who attacked them. Which is weird. If and it was, all four of them died. Right. If it was one person, I'd be like, okay, that person's probably just a nutcase that had a hallucination of somebody attacking them. But the fact that four people said it, that lends so much credibility to that type of story that it's hard to write off. Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's the same as like the um, like the German uh, uh, Striolgis that we were just talking about. Yep. Um, it's just hard to... It's hard to not believe... When there are so many cases of a person who comes out at night, only comes out at night typically, right? who either drinks the blood or eats the flesh of someone, who attacks people, um, and then who goes back to wherever they came from. So either like a grave or a mausoleum or something like that. During the day. To- During the day, yeah. yeah. To either rest or to stay away from the sun. And there are cases of vampirism in the Bible. It, it's, that's, it stemmed from Persia and then... Mesopotamia is what's not far from there because Persia is modern day Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I feel like there is some credibility to vampirism. And the worst part is, in my opinion, because I was just thinking about it, is the fact that back in the day, maybe the vampires weren't all that smart. So they would just come out and attack somebody, whatever. Um, and somebody would see it. Now we've stemmed so far in advance. Maybe those vampires became so well evolved. They know exactly who to attack and where to go. And nobody's going to know about it. And how to make it not look like a vampire attack, exactly. maybe. Exactly. Like, hey, this is just something. Or maybe, like, they've... <laughs> God. Like, I thought we went down the rabbit hole uh, last episode when you were like, okay, people are just going to shut this off. Um, <laughs> now you're Because uh, uh, we were talking about the stone tape theory where I was like, maybe the pores or the grains in wood can absorb energy way easier. Um, but maybe, like, vampires have evolved so well that they figured a way to, when they bite you, like their teeth are so fine now that it doesn't even show up as a bite and it just looks like the person died from a different way. Yeah, so then what they would have to do so that the body did not drain of blood would be they would drink as much as they could. They'd keep them alive so that their body reproduced the blood mm-hmm. and then they would kill them. Yeah, maybe kill them by like snapping their neck or something. Or right. Something different like that. So then that also begs the question, do you think that vampires evolved? Like it's a human gene, a human strain that just have evolved they were in like in the woods or somewhere and they grew teeth because they needed to to survive i have no problem i have no problem with that theory yeah it like, makes so much sense to me 
And I'm pissed off. It didn't happen to me. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> well, if anything, you would be a werewolf. Yeah, that's true. You, you like you cannot shave your beard. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I have no problem with that theory. I think that's a good one, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that the whole sun affecting like the skin that's a that's a uh, uh like a mutation. Thank you. Yeah. A mutation. Yeah. Wow. Monday. Um. <laughs> Like, that's a mutation that could easily happen. Right, 100%. And then maybe your cells need, need like, the hemoglobin in, in blood, and you just can't make enough, so you have to get it from somebody else. Right. And that's what, I don't know, keeps your skin, I don't know, like, uh, not yeah. bursting open or something. Right, exactly. And I know iron deficiency in people makes you extremely tired. Like, you can't, sometimes you can't even get out of bed, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm mm-hmm. so tired. And then... One of the most richest sources of iron is just drinking blood. And then if you follow that with the two main traits of a vampire, the sharp teeth mm-hmm. and the fact that they can see at night, seeing at night is really easy to attack a human because we have the worst sight out of any uh, like human species yep. or actually any any animal yep. at night. And then the teeth get through your skin so you can actually get the jugular. Exactly. So see, <laughs> what we just said, you could validate. 100%. But now we're getting into the... Can vampires shapeshift? Can they fly? Can they go through cracks in the wall? Nope. None? I have I have no problem understanding and believing that maybe these vampires evolved in a way that all you have sharp teeth to pierce skin so you can or an animal skin so you can suck their blood. And you need that blood for certain reasons. Um and I have no problem understanding the mutation for um like the melatonin and, and, and sunlight. I do have a problem with somebody being super fast or being able to turn into a freaking bat um, and fly around and shapeshift and all that stuff. So a strange transition, but it relates. Have you seen Split, the movie Split? Indeed, I have. Okay. So in that movie, there's a schizo who one of his um, personalities is he's a, a monster. The beast, right? Right. Yep. And just that. So he has no supernatural po- uh, powers per se, but just the fact that he believes that he is a monster, he can do some insane traits that you and I would say are supernatural. Right. The mind is a very powerful tool. Yeah. Like he climbs on the walls, the ceilings. He doesn't he like rip the, the iron bars across. Yeah. And like, I, and, and there are actual stories of people who have done some insane shit when they need to do some insane shit. Yeah. Like whether it's life or death or whatever, but survival is life or death. So if you're trying to, if if let's say it's 1650 and there is a family locked in a bar, in um their house and they're like actually barricaded in pretty good mm-hmm. if you need to survive and you have got to get in there to feed mm-hmm. you're going to do it i'm going to break that door down i don't care <laughs> what kind of a uh, metal bar is on there yeah you paint another great picture and who knows what happens i i doubt there's ever been a study on it if you drink blood from either an animal or a human for an extended period of time. Maybe it makes you stronger. Maybe it does. Maybe your eyes change color. Like maybe there's so much iron and so uh, so many different nutrients in that blood that it could start changing certain things about you. Yeah. Not like facial features and like muscle growth, but maybe like skin tone, eye color, the how long your nails grow, your hair. Who knows? Now I'm freaking curious. Woo, this one might keep me up in the next week. I'm going to be like, okay, are vampires actually real? 
I think the worst part is we have to follow up this episode with werewolves because we just have to. 100%. It's the same it's the same argument though. And I've always believed somewhere like deep in my core, somewhere in the hills of Romania, aka Transylvania, there's something out there. Whether it's like a werewolf or a vampire or Frankenstein. Right. Like there's always this weird pall around that area of the world because it goes so far back in time and all this folklore is so prominent there for some reason. It makes you wonder. It really does. Well, it's not like Romania is far from, number one, uh, Persia where it stemmed. Number two, uh, Germany where we had that story of the um, of Paole. This, uh, Serbia, which also isn't far, the Serbian soldier. Yep. Um, and then there were cases of vampirism also in England. And like Transylvania and um, like that area, that's not far. It's, it's close enough where there's got to be a relation. Maybe they all went there for some reason. Like maybe afterwards they all decided to. Or they all came from there. Migrate. Oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> and that's where, isn't that where uh, Vlad Tibet's castle is? Yeah, Dracula's castle. Dracula's so. castle, yeah. Transylvania, yep. Well, whew. Let me tell you right now, we want to hear from all of you who are listening because we're at like a an impasse right now. We have part of my brain is like vampires are real. Part of my brain is like vampires are not real. Don't be an idiot. So we want you guys to get in our DMs, send some comments our way, and uh, let us know if you think that vampires actually do exist. Absolutely. We are located on Instagram at Brown Brothers Haunting Hour. So slide in our DMs there. Come follow us. Now I got to ask. Here we go. Scare scale. Where are you throwing vampires up as? One to ten. How about you give me a location, and then and then paint me a picture of a story where I am interacting with a vampire, and I'll tell you. I'll give you a number. All right. You are in the woods somewhere. It could be United States. It could be across the pond somewhere in England, in the middle of the woods, and you're like walking for a day hike, and you get sidetracked. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Next thing you know, the sun's setting, and you're like, oh, okay, time to. I gotta mile and a half, two mile hike back to wherever the hell my car is and you're walking and you turn and you see something out of the corner of your eye and you're like, what the hell was that? Then you walk a little bit more, then you turn again and there's somebody standing there in a black suit, like slicked hair. Then he just starts having a conversation and walks closer towards you. Uh, that's gotta be like a... <laughs> what the fuck would you do? <laughs> that's gotta be like as close to a nine as I want to give it. Because then you know, like... Either he's going to bite you and maybe you'll turn into a vampire, but maybe he's just walking and he's going to rip your throat out. It's it's an 8.8. .8. Oh, God. And, like, imagine he walks closer to you and then his eyes just turn black or something or, like, turn bright red. <laughs> you'd try to run, but he would just, like, you'd sprint and he would just be in front of you. Oh, this might be a 9. <laughs> oh, that's scary. Like, that's... And then you're talking about the whole control factor, too. Yeah, you're not wrong. Where vampires can allegedly control people. Right. Or at least keep them stationary so that they can get close and then they can attack you yeah and then some some like vampire diaries they can erase your mind memory from it maybe maybe you've already been attacked by a vampire and you don't even remember no not with my bmi there's no <laughs> there's no chance i would be in way better shape guess you're right i'd throw vampires never really scared me that situation would scare the fuck out of me but i feel like that would be like one out of a million but maybe that's what would ha actually happen if you encountered a vampire i'm giving vampires uh, probably a 6.5 out of 10. So you would be only a 6.5 out of 10 scared in that situation. And that's it. That would be like the one situation where it might be a nine, but vampires in general, 6.5. All right. So, and, and here I am like close to a nine where they're scaring the <laughs> shit out of me. So again, we're at an impasse. So let us know, uh, all of our listeners, whether or not you think vampires are scary 
and even more importantly, which vampires you find scary because mm-hmm. there's so many different depictions of them in um, literature and lore. Yeah, nobody's going to be scared of Edward Cullen or just Stefan Salvatore. <laughs> no, but then you have Colin Farrell in Fright Night. Right, right, right. Or right. you have Dracula from the critically acclaimed Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. Oh, dude, yeah. Screw that guy. He was scary as hell. Yeah, that's a solid 9 out of 10 on the, the scare scale. Also, fun fact for everybody, currently while me and Tyler are recording, it's not going to be when this episode comes out, um, there is 83 days until Halloween. Last time we've recorded an episode, it was like 100 or something? It was just under 100, 100 days. 83 days, though. That's nothing. No. That's so... That's three months. Right. And I'll tell you guys right now, enjoy it while you got it, because who knows what's going to happen this fall or th- this winter due to COVID. But enjoy it while you got it. And I do it every year. I like to extend the holiday a little farther and farther. So I'm going to start like September 1st or first week of September. It is 100% spooky season starting up. But yeah, so thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed the uh, vampire topic. We're going to have some fun ones coming your way. Um, We actually had a really, really cool request about a certain island in Italy that we are definitely going to be covering this season. Mm -hmm.